Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. Um, so I went to Yosemite this weekend for the first time. Okay. And oh, yeah, was, you were telling me about that. It was amazing. So um, it was kind of interesting, the dynamic, because I met people from all over, and I thought mm -hmm. that it would be a group of friends that all knew each other. But actually, there were people from UC Berkeley, Santa Cruz, CSU mm -hmm. East Bay. College students. Yeah, it was all college students because it was like a cabin of 20 students, and we all just were friends of friends of friends of friends of friends. Wow. And we all somehow all got along, and the energy was amazing. Um, so it was my first time. And also, like... Um, I have really bad asthma, so I was really mm. worried about the hikes. But yeah. luckily, um, we had long straight hikes that weren't very high elevation. Mm -hmm. So so you were able to make it through. I was able to make it without through. Too, too many breathing problems. Yeah, and we walked <laughs> seven miles, so like wow. it was it was really good for not having any breathing problems. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. I have to show you the pictures later. Okay. So yeah. would you consider yourself like an outdoors person in general or was this going outside of your comfort zone? Yeah. Um, I love the outdoors, but um, I don't know if I ever told you that I was diagnosed with lupus. No. So I'm di I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 17 and it's an autoimmune disease. I can talk a little bit about it. Um, where my good... So when you're sick, you're... Um, your immune system attacks whatever's attacking you. But when I right. get sick, my immune system attacks myself, which is why it's very important for me to not get sick in the first place. Right. That's why I have to be very cautious. So anyways, it just really sucks because one triggering thing about lupus is that it gets triggered by the sun. Wow. I get So when you have a cold, you get... Your cold is triggered by rain or like, like like if you're in the rain and you don't have anything on and mm -hmm. your body loses temperature. So, for example, when you get a cold, it's triggered by your body temperature going down. Lupus can be triggered by um, the sun. So being in the sun too much. And for a couple of years, I just didn't give a shit. I literally because especially living in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And so I, I never had a parking pass to school. I would bike to school every day or walk to school. Um, and then in. And then in 2017, I got really sick because I, I triggered a flare-up, which I don't know how I did, but I was in the hospital for four weeks and yada, wow. yada, yada. It was really bad. And I had a chemo treatment, actually. Mm. I'm actually wearing wow. I'm actually wearing fake hair right now. Whoa. I actually, yeah, I'm actually half, like my, my hair fell out. Actually, for a moment, I actually had... Um, I actually had a weave. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I my, my best friend from undergrad, she has braids and she like knew the weaving process. Yeah. Um, so she like directed me towards that. And But um, it just wasn't healthy for my hair. So I just got ex tape and extensions. Yeah. But anyways, so I love being outdoors. I just have to be very cautious of it. Mm. So like being like always putting on sunscreen, always wearing hats, but I love being outdoors. I actually need to be outdoors. Like I can't be inside too long or else I'm going to start feeling depressed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very, it, it seems very tricky to yeah. need to stay out of the sun and stay out of the normal things that get people sick, like the rain and right. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I went to Yosemite, I was just like always trying to walk in the shade. Luckily, it wasn't too bright, you know, and I, I put on like the sunblock. But I really do have to be outside. Like, I cannot stay inside or else, or else like, I just don't feel good, like, yeah. mentally. Mm -hmm. well, I'm glad yeah. that you were able to get out there and not yeah. get sick. A, a part of my mind is thinking, how do I avoid getting it? Like, if I had to do what you do, 
Yeah. Could I even do that? Avoid right. getting sick, period. Yeah. A lot of people, it's actually really nice that a lot of people say like, oh, Anna, I didn't even know that you were sick. Like a lot of people, but like I, there's a lot of things that I have to do that people don't see. Yeah. Just to like make sure that I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I always like disinfect doorknobs and like disinfect like toilet seats and stuff like that. Just yeah. little things and try to wear hats, which I'm not that great at. Um, but yeah, so the sun is triggering. And for a long time, even when I was living in Santa Barbara this summer, actually, I went swimming every single day. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I love the ocean. Like I love swimming in the, in the ocean. ocean. That seems like that would be a little dangerous. Yeah. A lot of people, like, <laughs> I always try to get all my housemates to do it with me. And only a couple people were always down. Yeah. Um, it seems dangerous, um, and I, I sometimes I felt dangerous, like I felt not that safe too, like if I went too far. But I started to get used to it. I always brought like um, a boogie board or a surfboard out there to hang on to, and yeah. um, and it was really relaxing and therapeutic to just like be floating in the ocean. Nice, yeah. Nice. Man, I I feel so <laughs> privileged as a uh, well for two reasons. Yeah. One as a as like an outdoors kid, or at least that's how I mm-hmm. kind of grew up, skateboarding, climbing trees, and shit like that. Yeah. And then second, uh, the hair related things. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you shouldn't mention that you've had a weave around here. They might try oh. to charge you with cultural appropriation, even though they don't know your background. They don't know the right. reason for it. But um, anyhow, yeah, I I, I feel like it's very nice to be a, a little carefree about my health yeah um, but it's really all we have besides time is is our own health so yeah. um anytime i hear about someone who has to deal with a little bit more than i do it kind of sparks a reflective process yeah um it's it's been difficult since like i got diagnosed with it but i definitely try to always look at the bright side and um you know, and the fact that a lot of people can't even tell that I'm sick already makes me feel better yeah. about it. Like, not that it's not noticeable. Um, but, yeah, it is a lot of maintenance. And I really feel, like, happy when people are like, oh, Anna, like, you're so strong. And, like, yeah. you deal with all you're this. You're so strong. <laughs> you deal with all Thank of this. <laughs> Thanks. You want to hear about my sickness that you can't see? Sure. It's a fun one. Sure. Bipolar. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm super stable. I feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like um like my low was so low that I just don't have much of an interest in experimenting with anything anymore. Mm-hmm. But like I was in basically my going into my senior year at another college. And uh I got really I mean the first thing was more of like just missing sleep. But yeah. then at some point, I was really having deja vu, like, way too much. Whoa. So is that a side? <laughs> like, do a lot of people with bipolar have deja vu? I don't know. But okay. it, it, it was the first odd um, mental experience that I had. Yeah. And, and it's something that you can still live with. You can still, like, do your daily stuff mm-hmm. with. But it, it got much, much worse. It got to the point where it was, like, um, my most terrifying symptoms were hearing voices from the TV and the radio. Oh, which wow. is very common for bipolar. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's like everything is a coded message. Yeah. And and if you're paranoid while that's happening, then the coded message is basically like, fuck you. 
Like wow. the whole universe is saying, fuck you. And you're the only one who hears it. So you're just like going through your day. And at that point, you can only go so long and live a normal life like that. So, but with treatment, like, you know, medication and therapy usually is the best combination mm-hmm. um, statistically. Yeah. Uh, you can pretty much make it back to normal, especially if you're interested in, like for me, I was a hyper rational person already. So I like, I like the sciences. I liked engineering. Yeah. So if you're interested in viewing your own mind as a puzzle that you need to unpack, mm-hmm. then it's actually not impossible for you to make it to a normal yeah. way of perceiving the world again. Yeah. Even if you've been in like a deep hole, yeah. which I have right. been. <laughs> so, yeah. But so is, sorry, I didn't um is Please. bipolar like um does it hit you in a month let's say in a month yeah. how many times would it hit you a month or is it that it yeah. comes sporadically what yeah. how does it work it's it's different for different people but mm-hmm. one of the things that everyone has in common is that their manic period or their depressed depressed period lasts for more than lasts for two weeks or more i think Okay. So if, you know, you go through a breakup, you're going to be depressed. If, if mm-hmm. someone dies in your family, you're going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. But for a true depressed person, um, there won't be any external factor that you can see. Mm-hmm. And the depression won't go away for a two-week period. And that's kind of the, yeah. the, the, the test yeah. that someone would look for to say, okay, this is really a depressed person. Mm-hmm. And then for a manic person, it's, uh, you can think of it like a gambler's spirit. So yeah. it's an elevated mood, which which sounds good, mm-hmm. but it's it's too elevated to manage. So it's elevated when it doesn't make sense to be elevated. Yeah. So a gambler is excited to spend their money because they think they're going to get money back. But if you look at the real probability, it's unlikely that they're going to get their money back. So they shouldn't be excited in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you have these kind of... You, you see spikes in risk-taking behavior like drugs, um, mm-hmm. dangerous sex, um, Things dealing with spending a lot of money. Yeah. Um, traveling was a big thing for me. Oh. So uh, criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. So like there's there's a bunch of things that if that lasts for too long and it's unusual, um, then that's kind of a manic symptom. But it can be sometimes harder to clock mania because mm-hmm. mania is something that if you really see someone who's manic... They're like a party animal. So a lot of people like being around manic people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times it's encouraged and the people don't even know that um, they're having an abnormal experience. Yeah. When were you diagnosed? When did you know? Uh, 2016, 20, oh. uh, around March of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then basically I went through like a, a, I went through mild therapy, but I went through a more intense therapy in 2017. So early 2016 and then like mild stuff, mostly medication, figuring out what works. And then once that was figured out, then I did like group therapies and individual therapies. Was medication the most helpful thing or do you think it was a therapy or was it the combination? Uh, I think that for me when I was uh, medication was the most helpful early on Mm -hmm. because my mania was like psychotic after a certain point. Yeah. So like I said, hearing voices and stuff like that. Yeah. Once you're in that cycle. And by the way, this is without drugs. Like, yeah, I did drugs three months ago and I'm still hearing voices and stuff like that. Mm. Once you're in that world, it's um, you're just you're just not living in the real world anymore. Yeah. And the degree to which you're not living in the real world is it's outside of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're you're watching your brain melt from the inside and yeah. you're pretty helpless. And in that case, medications are like 
the dream. They're perfect. Yeah. Because it's the only thing that actually addresses that. And then once that stage is over, then it's more like you have to learn how to live with your own emotions. And that's just the normal therapy. What do the voices sound like? What are, what yeah. are, what are well, the, the thing about the yeah. radio is it sounds just like the radio, right? And the TV, it just sounds like the TV. It just sounds like whatever is happening on TV, is it has something to do with you personally. So it's more about like... Whatever you're listening the, to? Yeah. Like every song, for instance, has encoded messages that people speak in metaphor and songs and things like that. But when you're uh, paranoid and psychotic, it can be like really clear it can feel like it's really clearly about you like in a mm. in some in some uh very trippy way yeah the people who made the song made it for that moment for you to listen to to oh, give you that message i see so it's it's a disturbing feeling that yeah. this thing was planned out for me to have this experience yeah. especially if it's happening all the time so when it's completely silent you don't hear voices no no, not anymore. I haven't heard for right. years. Oh, okay. But like, if, oh, when in, you in did that situation? It. No, it was mainly, um, I think I did. I think I heard like people talking to me at one point, but it could have just been an exaggeration of my own imagination. Yeah. But like the TV and the radio, that's just, it, it feels like you're completely sober. Yeah. Everything's normal. You turn on the TV and it's completely talking to you. It's, it's like. Are you aware that it's. You're bipolar instead of you're aware. No, am I? No, yeah. no, no. When when it oh when happen. it's going on, no. I, and that's what's terrifying about oh. it. What you believe is that, that is someone planned this TV show for me to watch, where they were going to deliver this message to me, and or then, they're aware of of the fact that I personally am watching this, and they're mm -hmm. tailoring the message toward me. And then when do you realize that it is your bipolar and not that it is targeting you? Uh, basically. Group therapy is the most helpful for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because depending on the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if if you have people who are worse off than you and people who are better, then, yeah. it, then it works. Because then you could see the spectrum. Like, that's how I used to view the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what's possible for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But basically just seeing other people going through the same things. I see. Yeah. So you said you did some traveling. What were you <laughs> I want to know. The best place that I went <laughs> was uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, cool! That's yeah. random. It, well, here's the thing. So <laughs> I was a um, I was an undergraduate researcher, and I did stuff in electrical engineering. So I was like a device physics guy. That's not too much. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I posted. I I had like worked in a lab for a while, and I got my name on some paper that wasn't a. It wasn't a journal entry. It was mm -hmm. like something else that was lower, but. It basically summarized our work. Yeah. And um, it was for a conference. It was a conference paper. Nice. And nice. the conference was in San Diego. <laughs> so so I, I go to San Diego with the grad student, and um, we present the paper, and then some people like it, most people don't. And Aww. then uh, we take a picture, and I posted the picture on my Facebook. And uh, one of my friends, I grew up in Pasadena, right? So there's like... LA? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, LA yeah, area, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And and in Pasadena, there's a NASA center that's mm -hmm. in cahoots with um, uh, Caltech. Okay. So there are a lot of like engineers and scientists in that city. And one of my friend's moms is like connected to the engineering world. Uh. So when I posted the picture on Facebook, 
my friend from like elementary school. I haven't mm. spoken to him or the mom in a really long time. Yeah. I posted the picture. She saw it and said, hey, I know a, um, a professor, like a black professor mm-hmm. at Brown University. Oh, awesome. And if you're considering graduate school, I really want you to at least sit down and talk with this guy because he's always looking for bright young students to mentor. And who knows, maybe nothing will come from it, but I know him personally and I can connect you with him if you're interested in pursuing a career in science. And this was like maybe at the end of the summer. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyhow, I, I saw the message and I said like, thank you. And I did the conference and I had a normal brain at this point, as far as I could tell. <laughs> then some months went by, mm-hmm. like the school year started, a bunch of stuff happened. Like I had an ex-girlfriend who was giving me static or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was, I had a number of stresses and pressures that were working on me, but the mm-hmm. biggest thing was I felt like my community in the summer just deteriorated during the school year. Mm-hmm. It was like a, I was going to school in Alabama and over the summer it was like we had like a California hub yeah. in the middle of Alabama. Like everyone who was there mm-hmm. was either doing research or they were an entrepreneur or they were like you an artist. You Alabama. Wait, what year was this? This was in 2015. What? <laughs> how, you don't even, how old are you? Can I ask? I'm 16 years old. <laughs> listen let me finish all right okay <laughs> so anyhow i'm going to school we had a california hub in alabama and then it deteriorated and now back to normal just rote learning they weren't really interested in innovation they were just trying to push kids through the process so they could work for like procter and gamble or chevron yeah. one of the big companies that catered to the school so i'm going through this and like i start getting into the uh hallucinate i mean the um Deja vu stage where I can still like practice for the GRE and be disciplined, but I'm alone most of the day and I'm slowly freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. And then when I get to the paranoid stage where I think like there's a possibility my teacher might want to kill me. (laughs) Probably not, but it's possible. (laughs) Like these thoughts start entering my mind. This is when I reevaluate a lot of the the things that happened in the past. So when when I first got the message from my friend's mom, I thought nothing of it. Like, oh, this is great. Maybe I'll contact this person. But then when I start getting paranoid, I think back and I'm like, oh my God, that was like a message. They were trying to send me like a secret message to like, it's something about Brown University. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, I, um, <laughs> I end up, uh, a number of things happen and I'm pretty deep in the hole now. I, I think... By the time I decided to leave for Brown, I had already got my first tattoo. I had already like uh, done whippets with homeless people in a park. I had already like had those manic behaviors like set in stone at this point. And this was only like a two, three month period between me at the scientific conference and all this shit going on. But then at some point, I'm like, I, I can afford it. Let me go to Brown University. Mm-hmm. This is a secret message. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Let me see what's real and what's fake. So I buy the ticket and I just fucking fly from ATL to uh, Rhode Island on a weekend. I don't know anybody there. I don't tell anybody. So I land. I just walk out to the taxi. I'm like, take me to Brown. And they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy's dropping me off. He's like, do you know where you are right now? I said, I'll just figure it out. And he's like, all right. There's like a taco truck I recommend, but all right, have a good life. And he drives off. So I I go to the taco truck and there are three guys with bikes. 
And I'm like, where's the front office? And this is like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And they're like, uh, oh, it's around the corner or something. And I'm like, cool. And I walk over there. But when I get there, one of those guys with the bikes is already there waiting for me. And keep in mind, I'm already believing in prophecies and shit like that. So if there's any coincidences or anything where it's like somebody actually does plan something out for me, that just further um, solidifies my delusional thoughts. Mm. So I get there and uh, to the front office and he's like, yeah, the front office is closed. I realized when you asked, like, you probably don't know what's going on right now. He's like, uh, do you need a place to stay? So I was like, of course. Who asked if you need a place to stay? The guy on the bike, the rando that I just met. Like on a ran, like, was it a bike or was it like a motorcycle? No, it was a regular bike. He was a student. Oh, it was a student. Yeah. I was at the university already. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just went from one part of the university to another. Mm. And uh, he was like, yeah, you can come. I'm like a French student. You can come stay with me. He takes me to his dorm. It's a fucking mansion. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mansion that's like they just cut out little pieces for each student. Nice. But I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is this fucking place? It's like a castle. Anyhow, I end up just staying with that guy. And like throughout the week, I would just go on missions every day. Like... One day I just, uh, he was like, hey, I, I'm, we're having like a, a writer come into the class, so you should just come to, to class with me. So I just did that. Another day I met these entrepreneurs who were like, they were connected with the guys who started Airbnb and they were like, yeah, we're starting this party at, you want to party with us? So I just partied with them another night. I just did random shit. Like at one moment I was trying to build a website for myself. <laughs> at another moment I was trying to like uh, contact their psychology department or like their therapy thing. Because I would have moments of clarity where I'm like, I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I need to, this is yeah. not cool, man. Yeah. But then the next thing comes, and then that moment didn't matter. Right. It's just another mission, you know? It's like you're in a constant video game. So, um, so you're just staying with that French student. Yeah, but eventually he starts getting pissed. He's like, yo, dude, you need to, uh, you need to be clear with me about what the fuck's going on right now. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Everything's good. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, nah, man, you're you're making moves and I don't really understand what you're trying to do. Like, what what is your goal? And mm. I'm like, listen, I'm I'm figuring it out. Meanwhile, I'm trying to like decode shit. <laughs> but um one of the things was I ended up setting up a meeting with that professor. Uh-huh. And I told the guy like, yeah, this is the reason why I came out here and I contacted him and he was like, "Great, go to the meeting. Go to the meeting." And then I slept on it. And the night before, I started freaking out because I was like, wait, what if this was the fucking setup? Uh. What if the setup was for me to be far away from anyone that knew me so that this guy could fucking attack me or something? Like, I I was already thinking my teachers might kill me. You know what I mean? So I thought, fuck. This guy, like, I haven't spoken to my friend's mom in years. That could be a fake account. This guy, I've never met him. He could be, why would he be interested in me? Yeah. I'm here. Everything's working out way too well. Why is this guy letting me sleep in his house? You know what I mean? Why is he inviting me to classes and shit? How come these entrepreneurs met me? How the fuck did anybody, how did they even know I cared about entrepreneurship? Why would they invite me to anything? So I started, all these doubts started coming up. Even though it was actually, it was crazy, but it was a, a decent plan. I actually made real connections, you know? But um, I ended up not even going to the fucking meeting that I set Um, up. (laughs) 
ended up, I ended up because leaving. Because you freaked out? Oh, yeah. I was, okay. I was deep in the hole. I got on a bus to go to the airport. Something happened on the bus. I jump off of the fucking bus. Then I'm in the hood in Rhode Island. I see like a liquor store, a couple of people like just standing on the porch pointing at me. I'm like, dude, I don't know where the fuck I am right now. Like I might die out here. And then I just, I had my skateboard with me. I started skating in one direction. I took a left, took a right. And somehow or can, another. Can I pause you? Yeah, I made it to the airport. I am so, I feel like I'm having like a, I don't know if epiphany is the right word, but <laughs> I had no idea that paranoia was a um, symptom or side effect or whatever of, of bipolar because, so I, I can get into this later after you finish your story, but. Well, that's basically the story is that I went out there for crazy reasons and I didn't even finish the reason why I went. I didn't even complete the real mission. That's how insane I was. I actually could have, in my psychotic mind, I could have had a connection with a Brown University professor. Yeah. But I fucked it up because I was paranoid. Did you at least say bye and thank <laughs> no, you to the French student? No, hell no. Oh, to him, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I did. I, and I'm still connected so con- to him. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I contacted him and said, hey, you know what? I was fucking out of my mind when I met you, but uh-huh. thanks for the hospitality. Did he notice that you was something off? Like, did he notice? Something? Yeah, he noticed. Yeah, but he was also a kind person, and right, he knew that I wasn't a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay. So, back to another story time. My senior year at UCSB was hell because I started dating this guy, um, and there was a point where he started hearing voices after he got jumped Mm. and it was really bad okay so i'll I'll just like try to summarize it as much as i can but okay first of all he was already very like like an entitled asshole in my opinion like very like the way that he spoke to his mom when he was trying to help and then he would like send me screenshots and be like my mom's being a bitch right now and i'd be like no she's trying to help it's very clear that she's trying to help from anyone else who's reading this right um like um like for example like he talked about his like how he can't leave his bike outside and she was like oh well is there a room inside is there anywhere inside and then he would be like mom are you an idiot like i have like blah, blah blah why would i leave it inside and just giving attitude back so anyways yeah he was already very like entitled so he worked at sprouts and very entitled place to work <laughs> well he, he was a student working at yeah. sprouts and, and um so he he uh got home like working at 11 and um, he has to park his car far from his house because there's like bad parking on his street. And he was walking, um, to his house and it was like 1130 at night. And he sees like these two guys they are probably smoking weed or do, doing something, but he flashes his flashlight toward them, mm. like his phone flashlight. And then the, the dudes are like, this is the story he told me at least. And the dudes are like, Hey, um, dude, turn the light off. And then he's like. He's like, no. And he goes, why don't you guys stop being sketchy and I'll turn the light off. Oh. And and then the dudes are like, dude, walk the other way. And then he's like, um, he goes, no, I fucking live this way. So I'm going to walk this way. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's tr- he's looking for a fight. And this this was in the same time. You said, this, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, yeah. When he got, after he got jumped, that's when he started acting different. No. He, okay. he, was, al- he was already acting this well, way? Well, he was already kind, he was already an asshole, yeah. but his assholeness, and all of my housemates and all my friends said that he was an asshole too, but it, it like, escalated once yeah. this, after this fight happened. So, so then, so then, 
this is just the story he tells me. And then, and then he says that they got into a fight and it was two versus one and blah, blah, blah. So he calls me. Well, yeah. he, he sends me a picture of his face, which is all bloody. And he, call, and he calls me. And he's like, can you? He's like, what should I do? Like, I, I think I have a concussion. What should I do? Should I go to the hospital? Oh, my God. But the fees are going to be really bad. And I was like, if you feel like you need to go to the hospital, I can take you to the hospital. He's like, okay, well, where the fuck are you? Can you drive me? And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I, like, bring all this, like, neosporine and stuff. And I... I get there, and the first thing when once we arrive to the ER is that he's so disrespectful to the nurse. So then the first thing the nurse asks is, or one of the first things is, oh, did you file a police report? And he goes, the fuck would I do that for? And it's like, come on, yeah. this person's trying to help you, yeah. and you're just being an ass. And this is just little, this is, this being an ass is just who he is. Anyways, fast forward um, to like two days later, um, he starts thinking that everywhere we go even when we're studying in the library he starts hearing people talking about the fight and he even when we were at his apartment complex he would hear his neighbors talking about the fight and he'd be like don't you hear that they're literally talking about the fight and like I think the people that beat me up are related to the neighbors. And I'm like, no, they're not. And he's like, are you? And he would say really like mean things to me. He'd be like, you're the most oblivious person I've ever met. How the fuck do you not hear that? And yeah. I'd be like, I don't. I just don't hear anything. I think it's in your head. And then every time I would try to tell him that it was in his head, he wouldn't believe, like he would, you know, he wouldn't believe me. And then I'd, I would try to like be rational with him. Like when he would hear it in the library, he'd be like, Anna, don't you hear it? That guy's literally talking about the fight. They're literally out for me. And I'm like, no, I don't hear anyone talking about the fight. We'd be in the library. He would hear it. We would go to like in and out and he would hear it. And I'd be like, why is it that everywhere you go that you would hear it? And then he would get pissed at me because I wasn't hearing it. And then he would call me oblivious and stupid and all this stuff. And, um, and eventually I got him to see, I told him to go to CAPS, which was our school counseling. And then the counselor was like very concerned and like sent him to see a psychiatrist. And he started saying like, you know, I'm concerned about how this psychologist is so concerned. Mm. And then um, the psych, so he sees the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist, um, I think prescribed Zyprexa and apparently it wasn't working. Um, but, and then when he would get upset, he'd be like, you put me on meds. He, he would blame it on me. He'd be like, you got me on meds. He's like, I don't want to be on meds. I don't want to be on meds and blah, 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 blah. And so I don't know. It could have been bipolar maybe. I have no idea. It could have been. It could have been a lot of different things. And the yeah. thing about p paranoia is a symptom of a lot of different, you know, uh, diseases. Yeah. So just paranoia alone is, is usually not enough for a diagnosis. But right. one of the interesting thing about, things about meds is that there's so many meds. Yeah. <laughs> like it, a lot of different ones do different things. And then mm -hmm. a lot of the, the ones that are supposed to do the same thing, for any given person, they might have dr dramatically different reactions to those meds. Yeah. Like for some people, like for the medications I take, I have almost no reaction. Everyone that I've... Every psychiatrist that I've spoken to is like, hmm, that's a little unusual, but that you don't like. The meds I basically don't. don't no, it's it's no reaction and no negative side effects. Oh, is no, what I mean. oh, that's good. No negative side effects. So it's like, uh, but for other people, they say, oh, that's that's the worst one. It does this, this, and that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I remember some of the meds that I originally had that were more like antipsychotic rather than mood stabilizing that I liked because mm -hmm. when I was like. 
in the depth of psychosis, man, anything to get me out was very right. appreciated because right. there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, what can I do? Nothing. You just sit there. Yeah. And just experience the effects of your brain. Yeah. Right? But, like, the drug's never going to go away. Yeah. The, the medication, it's kind of funny for mental illnesses, but the medication kind of removes the, the drug effects. It stabilizes us out. Mm. Whereas most people are, you know, doing drugs to try to have a crazy experience. I'm trying to, like, just have a normal experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. so... It's 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 entirely possible that this person was bipolar or a number of other things, and it's entirely possible that the medication of Zyprexa at that dosage was not the best for them, but right. something else would work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of luck, really. Right. I mean, I'm one of the lucky people that throughout my mental health journey, everything has worked out. That's good. The medications yeah. have worked out. There's been one horrible, fucking terrible <laughs> psychiatrist but other than him, it's all worked out. And I didn't have to deal with him for very long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... I, I, I sympathize with people who have to deal with the, the, the medication cocktails right. and the, the false, you know, the false hope of like maybe this combination of medications will work and then it doesn't. Yeah. This one doesn't let me sleep, but it helps this. This one stops that, but it starts this. Yeah. For me, it's been pretty simple and smooth sailing. Um, so, but I understand that it's different for everybody. You know, his, his, his comment about the meds is valid. If he is delusional and he tried a medication and Mm -hmm. it didn't work, then that's the expected reaction is that he would reject all medication. You can't expect an irrational person to think rationally, but the reality is it's entirely possible that a medical with some, uh, therapy, yeah, yeah. Uh, a medical solution could work for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another just, thing was that he was so against, like, at first he was, like, really for his psychologist, and then and then later he just started hating the psycho- psychologist and psychiatrist. Yeah. And that was, but I, I don't know what's going on anymore because that was, like, a while, and I eventually stopped talking to them. You like crazy guys? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I, I guess I attract them. I don't know. <laughs> I realized at some point that I I I need crazy women in my life, but they've got to be the right type of crazy. They what? can't be. It can't be like too much sauce. It's got to be crazy, in the sense that it's like they're they're. It's it's flavorful. It's artistic. Yeah. You know. It's uh, but it's not explosive. Yeah. It's better if they have a, a, a depth of taste. <laughs> That's the type of crazy that I can handle, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is what is a depth of taste? <laughs> I don't know. Like opinionated but not aggressive. Oh, okay. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, obsessive but not... Uh, but they practice self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like there's a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. they can go into the depths of their own mind. Yeah. Like they have that ability, but they hold back for their own self-care purposes. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So like artists I really like. Yeah. Um scientists too in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a different bend. Funny people are my favorite. Funny people are my yeah. favorite too. I think They're all fucked up. But they kind of handle it. I think, okay, so I think one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is, like, 
for me to feel compatible with someone, I really need to have the same type of humor with them. Mm. Like I've dated so many people where I'm just like trying to laugh with them, but we don't have that like <laughs> we don't have that like laughing till our stomach hurts kind of laughing. Like I don't know, I I I can't date someone that doesn't laugh at the same things that I laugh at. That's fair. You know, and I don't think a lot of people. Think about that, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, humor, it's humor such a... Humor is so important. It's an interesting language. Yeah. I, f- I feel like it's the language of the sloppy. It's like yeah. there's a point... It's like all metaphors almost. Like yeah. there are points being made, there are things being said, but they're indirect and they're they're clever and witty. Mm-hmm. And you gotta... It's like you gotta be smart enough, but you gotta be like uh sloppy enough yeah it's like a little bit of clean and dirty yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have to you it's got to be the right ratio if it's too clean it's still good but you're like you're like that wasn't that funny like there's there's a limit to family friendly funny right that's true there's all because it should just be whatever is funny about real life yeah can you package it yeah. And sometimes that's in the bounds and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Uh, the sense of humor yeah. is an important kind of metric. Yeah. I actually just heard on the radio recently, it was like making fun of family members or like it was two people talking on the radio and saying like making fun of family members enhances your relationship or something. And mm. Well, it's I a way I of acknowledging that. things. That's That's exactly what they said. It's like acknowledging things. Because I, I don't I can't remember exactly what they said, but they said something like because like they're pointing out something in a funny way and acknowledging that they know that about you, but they still love you regardless. Right. Or something like that. Um and I feel like that's like with most people, like once people make jokes with you, then you feel more comfortable. Like when they poke, I don't know. I mean, obviously some people are very sensitive about being poked fun at and I, I get it obviously depends on like what it is about too. Yeah. But um I noticed that, like, even I feel more comfortable sometimes when people are teasing, depending on what it is. <laughs> depending on what it yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the thing. Humor yeah. can also reveal people's boundaries. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite things is is to yeah. see, like, what is the edge before this person gets really upset? Yeah. And and one quick and dirty way of doing it is through jokes. Yeah. That's, that's it's because it's not serious. Yeah. If you're doing a joke, like... If things go wrong, you can kind of just apologize. Ah, I was just a joke. You <laughs> yeah. know, if you're being serious too early and you don't know yeah. where the boundaries are, and that's how you find out is you cross them while you're being serious. Yeah, it can it can turn into a real blood feud mm-hmm. because it's like, well, that's really that's really what you think about this. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. If it's a joke, there's a little bit of a mask. Like, okay, yeah. I might think it, I might not. I might just be saying it because I think someone else thinks it's funny. Right. So, yeah. You can acknowledge things and you can discover boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Another thing about humor, I feel like I don't like relate to a lot of people's shows that they watch that are humorous or that they think are humorous. Like growing up, I really loved like Simpsons and South Park and like King of the Hill and stuff. And I don't know why, but I, I mean, I just don't find like, I mean, I still find like some episodes of South Park funny, but like. A lot of people, I guess I haven't watched enough of it either, but I I don't really, I can't laugh at like The Office as much. Mm. And um, what's the other one? It's like something sunny. 
It's always sunny sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I've watched like three episodes and I'm like, I don't get why this is like so super funny. Yeah. Um, And I used to love SpongeBob and I used to think it was so funny. And now I'm like, okay, SpongeBob's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you grow and you change. Yeah. Your humor might change, should change with it. Yeah. Yeah. And things that I think are funny, like, oh my God, I love watching Key and Peele. Mm, (laughs) I think Key and Peele is so funny. (laughs) Like, so we watched, um, I went to Santa Barbara to visit my friends recently and we watched Bird Box. Okay, yeah. I can't I can't handle scary movies. Like I was okay. scared. I started wikipeding the 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 movie within 20 minutes because I was like I have to know what happens because I'm going to be really scared. So we started re- I started reading it with my friend who's sitting next to me just so because we were both really scared. And then after right when the movie ended I was like, "All right, we got to put on Key and Peele because I'm so scared." Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I I, I had to watch something funny immediately after. <laughs> And so we watched like five Keen Peel videos. It was really, it was really great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you like Keen Peel? I do. Yeah. I do. I, I don't. I haven't been watching them recently, but yeah. I like. I feel like I understand what their style is, and I like it. And There's, I think. Well, the yeah. biggest thing is I respect it. Yeah. I I really think that they uh, they work hard at the acting part and at like the writing part, or yeah. whoever writes for them works hard at that. Right. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I've been gravitating more toward um, just plain stand-up, but I also watch a mm-hmm. lot of podcasts. So mm-hmm. I watch them because I'm like, uh, I'm interested in getting a camera in here soon, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm like, I've been obsessing over setups. Yeah. So I end up watching them for longer than I otherwise would have, mm-hmm. and then I actually enjoy them for the content. Like I start off just mm-hmm. wanting to see how people set things up. Yeah. And then I finish like, well, that actually was pretty good. Yeah. Because this is. Like stand up is different from you know skits is different from movies. It's di- the humor is different, right? But um, I think my favorites are probably stand up and podcasts, as far as humor. Yeah, yeah. To have funny people just I like no script too. and then mm-hmm. funny people by themselves on a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was another really funny show that I was just dying at. That I I forgot what it was called. It was something American. And it, I think it was called, I think the title had American in it, but it was basically like they tricked these people on, onto being, um, like, and these people that they tricked were like bad people and they caught them being awful people mm-hmm. on TV and like, they were just like messing with them. Uh, one of them was about like this guy who was selling a yacht. Yeah. I don't know if this, I don't know if it will sound familiar to you, but this like super rich guy was selling a yacht and then the guy that was trying to buy the yacht was the guy running the show mm-hmm. and saying like oh yeah yeah i was thinking about doing some like you know some sex things with children on this yacht is okay is okay and then the guy was like yeah yeah that's fine yeah and it was like this guy's really selling this yacht for like for like um prostitution or whatever and like he was like totally okay with it yeah and it was like catching these bad people i forgot what it was called but it was like so funny because it was that's a interesting thing I, is I, on one hand the person selling the yacht <laughs> isn't really doing any crime but if they know about the fact that someone else wants yeah. to then they yeah. should hold back still yeah and, and he not wasn't make the hold- sale yeah he's right. like fuck that that's not my problem yeah it's so <laughs> funny i feel like i need yacht. to show it to you to like cuz i didn't i did not like the way that i described it isn't nearly as funny as this it. is online okay okay how m- enough time has gone by right we can yeah. wrap this up we can w- 
We can wrap this up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, then you can show me on my computer. Okay, okay. Okay, time for the, the most, most important, important question oh in the universe. Are you ready? Yeah. Round or square? <laughs> I feel like I have to say round because of the domes. <laughs> Fair enough. That's right. Right? Thank you for your time. Okay, Thanks. hit the stop button on there. It's like, no, not that one. It's like one of the other ones.